1: Hello, and welcome to a new episode of the Burning Question series by Fantasy Football Scout. In this series, Pross and I Isonaldo talk about the key hot topics for the week. I am here in sunny California. It is about six twelve a.m. in the morning, and uh, uh, this is how much I'm dedicated to FPL and, and love FPL, but I'm very, very excited to be speaking FPL with my good buddy Pros from the other side of the world. Pross, how are you doing after a very uh, long and fun game week?
0: Yeah, it was long, uh, fun, I don't know, but uh, I'm doing all right, man, and uh, love your dedication. I'm sure everyone's delighted that you're on and you've been able to make it. Um, Yeah, I mean, look, we're going to talk about this game week. Normally, we don't do a game week review. Uh, This is more about, you know, pertinent questions that we're facing. But I think before we start to our main topic, which is going to be the villa assets, uh, I think it's It's good that you and I just kind of talk about, we we both didn't own Bruno, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And you had Kane going into the game week. I had Ronaldo. And I just kind of wanted, you know, a lot of people would be in this dilemma. Some may have not gone Bruno. Some have actually gone. And by the way, not to take away anything against anyone who has gone Bruno. It's an amazing pick based on the information that we had at the time. But I think they will admit that circumstances slightly played in their favor in the sense that had Leicester had a double, maybe they would have gone Madison. um you know if if Ronaldo was completely hundred percent fit and there was no injury doubt, then they would have thought mm, Bruno is not so great when when Ronaldo starts. Uh, and so things could have been different. So you tell me how did you think about the game week?
1: Uh, it, it was a if, it was a tough one to uh, to accept, right? because I think um, if you look at our ranks, we're, we're, you know, uh, guys. By the way, this uh, rank has not been fully updated. I think I'm around the you know the twenty something k around. Um, so basically, I had a ten k drop. And um, you know, rank is just a number right now. But I think I'm very unlucky in some ways because I had a plan for this double game week for weeks. I really was looking forward to attacking this double game week and. Uh, up till this point, Variance was on my side. I got a lot of calls that, you know, lucky calls that went my way. And so I'm not complaining about um, things have to go wrong once in a while, right? And the Bruno cap was very unfortunate because it, it it wasn't something that I was against this player. I actually thought he was a very good option. And, you know, especially listening to our, our friend uh, Late Riser talk, speak about him, um, I, I was very enticed about uh, Bruno. However, um, I had Kane, you know, and... I, the whole plan was to attack this double game with, with Kane as my captaincy. And, Prost, I, I spoke to you towards the end of it about how, you know, I, I don't feel good about this game getting cancelled uh, North London Derby. And, of course, it got cancelled. So, I guess, in hindsight, it was also the right move. Because What did you do then? I mean, for our, for our mm-hmm. listeners, what, what move did you make? So, I basically, guys, I went from Kane to Ronaldo for a minus four. Uh, and, I, you know, Pros basically put it best. He said, okay, you're taking a minus for insurance because we knew his EO was above 100%. I do believe he was just above 100 So So um, I think it was a strategic move to kind of defend, but actually it didn't go my way. So uh, yeah, yeah. it just happened that way. How about yourself, Prost? What, what, what happened no, to you?
0: Let me come to myself. Let's talk about y- your decision-making first. So what was the other transfer? You went Foden, right? For son. Sun to Foden, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so i mean first of all i'll start off by saying you were complete you were very unlucky mm. um you were nicely set up for the double with sun and kane mm. um and we saw from the leicester game yesterday that it was going to be open there was going to be goals and kane looked great so to start off from that and look this is not kind of us saying oh we were both unlucky and we did badly it's fine there will be game weeks where you get lucky there'll be game weeks where you don't they'll there are game weeks where you take informed decisions and i think really the people who've gone bruno who've captained Bruno, have taken informed decisions, and actually, it's not lucky at all. Mm. I'm talking to the people who didn't go Bruno. Um, So for them, there was a little bit of, you know, you were planning for something like you did, Sun and Kane, and then suddenly, the the game is off. And so now your thought process was, how can I, I think originally, your plan was just to do Foden, right? And basically, that was, I think, a, a very good move many managers like hall of fame number one tom stevenson has done the same move which is basically son to foden because this week as we know everyone is now looking at city assets so you basically made that move one week ahead because who else were you going to get madison didn't have a double rafinha didn't have a double um no you know coutinho you could have punted for a week before but again that was no more than a punt so basically unless you go a Foden, which is a long-term move, or you go for basically instant gratification with Bruno. So my question to you is: Did you ever think about a structure where you said, "Okay, I'm not going to go Foden, I'll go Bruno, and for Kane, I'll go somebody cheaper"?
1: Absolutely, that was my first first option. So this is why okay. I feel even uh, worse about this situation because I I I it was very simple for me. I had Kane. I thought he was going to double even to the day of. Right? I think it was just a couple hours before. I can't remember exactly. And all I was thinking about was, oh, this is super easy. Son to Bruno, captain him, and have him as placeholder for Salah. And, you know, we don't, I don't need to have him a place, placeholder because essentially I can just downgrade Kane and, and upgrade anyone in the midfield. But exactly. I was 0.3 or 4 short of that move. So, first of all, if all of us went Madison... That would have been a, a game changer as well, because you know Bruno's ownership would not be this high. I, I think it was above. Oh, that.
0: I don't think many people. To be honest, other than Late Riser, who who we had this separate discussion with way back early in the week before Leicester um Leicester's game was cancelled, everyone, including myself, was going to go sun to Madison. Exactly. I don't think there's a question about it. Now Would Madison have done well in a double? He also scored yesterday, possibly. But what that would have meant is the captaincy would have been a lot more concentrated on Madison rather than a Ronaldo. I mean, and that would have been, again, this is where people who didn't go Bruno were slightly unlucky because then that would have concentrated there. And even though Bruno would have hauled, not many would have had him anyway. So that's where I think it was the perfect storm of... Rannik saying Ronaldo is is fine, which completely turned out to be false, Bruno basically doing really well, the formation change, so that's where the, the the sense and the educated gamble that people who had Bruno won, and, and rightly so, I think I'm really happy for those who went there, and you know, he was not that highly owned, so you and I, we've had 7-8k rank drop, it's not yeah. the end of the world, it's the okay. opportunity of those who went Bruno and profited. Look, I think I think well done to anyone who did it. Mm. Uh, anyone who didn't go there, it's not the end of the world. It's not a big rank drop. Don't think in this, rea- in this fantasy world of had I gone Bruno, my rank would be 4K or this, it's all right. Given how the season is going to pan out, there's going to be lots of doubles. There's going to be a lot of people who will basically go for a captain that has a double game week, you, some will pay off, some will not pay off. So I wouldn't worry too much. Don't let it affect your future decision making. And in some ways, look, had you gone Bruno and downgraded, let's say Kane to a, I don't know, a Dennis, because he, he possibly had a double game. Now this week, actually your team isn't that that good, right? Because now you don't necessarily want to keep Bruno long-term. You don't want to have Dennis and King as your as upfront. So in some ways you're in a better position now. Of course, losing out on 40 points isn't ideal. But that's just the way I look at it. And so you you were at the wrong end of the transfers this week and look, so be it. And now mm-hmm. let me talk about my own personal situation and my thinking. So mm-hmm. I was always looking at either a son to Foden or a son to Madison. Mm. Um, and that was my only move because Ronaldo was there. He was doubling. Once Raniak said that he's fine, that he was going to be my captain. I had another complication. I already had three Man United assets, the, the gift that is Dallo kept giving. Uh, and so I basically, I had the money, but I couldn't go Bruno without a hit because I would have had to change Dallo to somebody and then son to Bruno. But I'm going to be very honest. I would I did not consider that because for me, Ronaldo was going to be the captain. So get going Bruno wasn't the move. I was looking more long term. So the, then the question was, should I go Foden or should I save a transfer? Ultimately, I ended up saving a transfer. I'm in a better position this week. I have zero regrets because I didn't think Bruno would would put in the numbers that he did. And for people like me who already had Ronaldo, it didn't make sense because for me he was the better captain. Had he played both games, hindsight can be whatever, but I stand by that decision. So, we wanted to spend for the first ten minutes of of burning questions, just doing a little bit of introspection. Usually we don't spend too much time on the last game week, but I thought Ronaldo, it's it's good to talk through it. You know, go through our pain. Um, of of uh, of not having the the captain that banged, but look, you and I have been reasonably lucky over the last few weeks. Um, I think you and I both didn't own Salah uh, when he missed the penalty, right? Is that correct?
1: Uh, yes, we were. I forgot about that.
0: So okay. so we were lucky with we were lucky there. Uh, we both owned Bowen last week when someone Antonio, and it was a really 50-50 decision. So everyone can think back at instances where they've been a little lucky and look if this time it hasn't gone your way it's not the end of the world there'll be lots of doubles you can make up your point so that that was our little bit of a thought process of um you know how we thought about bruno and how we ended up i think we're both under 30k 20-ish K. so yeah uh, yep. you know very well placed uh, as i was telling you with with chips in hand uh, i think both are both of us have two free hits in hand it's a great space to be in and anyone else who's got a wild card, one free hit at least, you guys, you know, you're all well-placed to have a massive rank boost because as the Premier League is now going to change rules over the international break, mm-hmm. games will be more predictable, planning becomes more predictable, which will put you ahead of the people who are actually not doing the research and not listening to this uh, video. So um, that was a <laughs> little bit of intro. Um, do you want to introduce the, the main topic, uh, Andy?
1: Yeah, um, uh, one second, uh, let me... Fix this audio.
0: Okay. So for context. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, so today, uh, you know, I appreciate you kind of speaking through, you know, your ideas and what happened, and you know, it's very easy for us FPL managers to kind of think about the bad case scenarios instead of uh, all the good stuff that's led up to it, and. Again, um, still a long ways to go to the end, and a lot of doubles to be played. So, you know, keep going, keep making the right decisions. The outcome is the outcome. You can't control the numbers. All you can do is control how engaged you are and what decisions you make. So, um, continue, continue to uh, keep playing, guys. Um, So, uh, you know, we're back to the essence of the burning question series. The burning question series. um, You know, first began. I think we're in episode eight or nine, pros, which is which is insane. And uh, nine. You know, it's been a pleasure. And and so um, today what we're going to talk about is purely Aston Villa. Aston Villa is, uh, you know, very, very exciting because they have great fixtures coming up. Um, you know, they're at the top of the fixture ticker. Let's go straight to the next slide, which is uh, a view of the fixture ticker from game week 23 to game week 20. Uh, sorry, game week 30. 30. Yeah. So that's about eight game weeks, which is another great um kind of thing we do on the burning questions to kind of look long-term and process. Uh, you know, obviously a veteran that, that likes to do this and something I, I enjoy doing as well. So uh, we see at the top Aston Villa, Everton, Man City, as we spoke, Brentford, Leeds, Wolves, and at the bottom we have Chelsea, Leicester, Arsenal, Tottenham, and Brighton for the podcast listeners. Um, so again, the, the very top is Aston Villa, which is why people are speaking very highly of them. And because Aston Villa and Man City are up there, people are even speaking of, uh, you know, a wild card this week, which I, I don't think is the right play, even though I did think about it too, because of the uncertainty going around. Um, you know, any quick comments on the, the fixtures that, that are, um, you want to say anything about?
0: No, that? I think what, what we want to bring out is why we need to be thinking about Villa regardless of, um, the double situation. So let me first explain the double situation. Uh, they have a fixture against Leeds and they also have one against Burnley that can be rescheduled. Um, and this could happen on the round four FA cup weekend, which is basically the weekend just before the game week 24 deadline. So what we think can happen mm. is either. If that fixture is, put, is mm-hmm. scheduled for that round four weekend, uh, which is basically Villa Leeds and Watford Burnley one of two things can happen that is announced let's say either today or tomorrow today by the way timestamp this We're we're sitting on Thursday afternoon so either it's announced later today or tomorrow in that case it will be a double game week 23 with a game now this weekend and another game the second game two weeks from now basically after the winter break which is going to be an odd one but we've been through enough odd stuff this this uh, season already if the announcement happens after the deadline which is tomorrow then we think that the uh, the FPL uh, game would basically move the deadline forward a little bit and what will that mean what that'll mean is game week 24 starts at the same time as the round four FA Cup weekend so in that weekend you'll have uh, as I said Villa and Leeds playing as well as Burnley and Watford playing and then you have your normal game week 24 uh, which you see on the ticker here so therefore for example Villa could conceivably have a double game week 24 of Leeds and Leeds uh, which is not something we've seen in the past but here we go um and and so that's that's the reason why we we're, we're talking villa villa could have a double in 23 or 24 And they're the only team uh, with Arsenal, of course, uh, that have a fixture, a confirmed fixture in game week 30, which is the big blank Mm -hmm. that is the FA Cup quarterfinal week. So Villa is a team that is interesting for so many levels that we want to talk about it and they're top of the fixture ticker. And you add the fact that they've got Coutinho and Dean, nice signings that are going to revitalize the team and make them all the better. So. This is basically the context of why Villa is the burning question on everyone's mind. What should we do with their assets? Who are the guys to pick? Uh, and when should we do it, this week or next, depending on the double?
1: Correct me if I'm wrong, Pros. If we're uh, ideally uh, free hitting in game week 30 and Villa's you know fixtures announced for game week 30, free hitters would not actually want them to be playing in, in game week 30, right? You're right. Um, but it's the optionality, even if you have the free hit, because
0: remember last year, what happened with the free hit in game week 30 is some random teams were also allocated a fixture because they had old postponements. So those who will remember will, will, uh, will know that Tottenham and Villa, who were both out. So they they were supposed to have a blank, but basically a week before they had, because they were both out of the FA cup, they ended up playing in 30 so you you want to have the optionality you never know you're leading up to a game week 30 where you plan to free hit but a couple of other fixtures are um, basically uh, uh, rescheduled in that week and then your team looks reasonably okay so having a villa asset is never the you know you shouldn't say that because I'm going to free hit in 30 I can ignore the villa assets because you have games like Leeds Newcastle Watford Brighton Southampton leading up to it so I think these are two separate discussions on whether you free hit in 30 or not But for now, it's good to know that they do play, and you have the option whether you free hit
1: or not. Okay, so what we're going to do, guys, is uh, you know, as we uh, you know, as we speak through Aston Villa assets, we're going to first talk about defensive stats as a team from when Gerard took over in game week twelve. So basically, uh, you know, we have a good, good, decent sample size. Gerard's been around for a while now, and. You know, he's been fantastic so far. And then what we're going to do is look at the attacking stats as a team. So we're going to, you know, compare how they did defensively and attacking. By the way, they've had some, you know, tough fixtures throughout this period and their fixtures about to get good. So it's very interesting to kind of analyze these team statistics. And then we're going to kind of look through their average positioning versus Man United and and how they may set up uh, moving forward. And using all of this, we'll kind of, you know, decipher who are maybe top three, top four, top five picks from Aston Villa in order, uh, would be um, obviously very team dependent. And then finally, we'll end it with uh, with our buzz team. So that's kind of the agenda for Aston Villa burning questions today. So we move to the next uh, slide, which is the defensive stats since Gerard took over in game week 12. Uh, and, you know, let's remember they played City, Leicester, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man United in this uh, period but guess what their defense is pretty good uh in terms of uh statistics Pros, can you please explain what we have here um, and what we're looking at
0: no i think you summarized it well i mean what we've done is looked at minutes minutes per xg conceded um and they are basically punching alongside wolves and brighton who we consider good defensive teams and basically the only teams above this group or this pack Uh, is Chelsea, Tottenham, Liverpool and Man City, who are of course very good and spurs more recently elite defences. Chelsea not so much recently, but basically this is a long view. Um, So you want to, the the observation here is that even though people will look at Villa and say they've only kept one clean sheet in the last eight or nine games, um, I think their underlying data defensively suggests that clean sheets will come in easier fixtures. We know from Gerard's time at Rangers that he was basically a defense first manager. He completely changed the way uh, that that team was set up and, you know, massively improved their defensive numbers there. So a lot of interest, usually when doubles come up goes to the attackers, we we go for the the marquee names like Coutinho or the emerging names like Ramsey or the comfort blankets like Watkins or Ings uh, or, you know, Buendia, for example. but. This is basically something that tells you that defensive numbers will come, uh, defensive numbers are there and clean sheets will come. So it's basically to, th- to force you to think about, do you really have to go? If you were to do a triple up, do you really have to go two attackers and a defender? Why can't you go for a cash and a Dean plus an attacker? But let's go to the attacking numbers before we get into you know what composition of Villa players we should be looking at.
1: Okay. So we move to the attacking stats table, and again, this is team attacking stats from game week twelve uh, since Gerard took over, as as I mentioned. So, what we see here is actually the, as Pross mentioned, we're very excited about you know double attack, uh, double game week attacking assets. But as a team, they have not been uh, you know as good as we, as they look, because they, they, they actually look like a very good attacking team. But from a statistical point of view, um, you know m- maybe not at the very bottom, but uh, definitely at the bottom half of the um, in, uh, of the Premier League. So, um, yeah, again, yeah. What, what do we have here, Pros?
0: So, this is now sorted by minutes per XG, again, since Gerard took over, so game week 12. Now, you may attribute this to the fixtures. Like you mentioned, they've pretty much played all the big guns, Liverpool, Chelsea, Man City, uh, also played other teams like uh, Man United, Leicester, although those aren't de- defensive powerhouses. But what I would say from this is, Villa is actually where their attacking numbers are average. I mean, they look very good on the eye, and this might change with Dean and Coutinho. So we're not certainly saying that look their attackers are rubbish, but I would just you know there is there is some merit in looking at eight game weeks of underlying data and saying that look fact of the matter is that they're overperforming their xG by by three point nine, and they are in the bottom almost quartile for attacking numbers. So. Is it really the case for doubling up in their attack? Is, is that really the move? What, and what is that based off? Is that based on because Ramsey is so cheap and you might as well get him? Or is it based on the fact that Coutinho is completely going to revamp the attack and he'll be more involved in the goals? That's what we need to consider. And, and a, a lot of this attacking play will also come down to who do we think actually starts. So what we'll do in the next slide and the one after that is look at very closely the man united game how they set up and then we're going to you know we took we we took some fan opinions of, of villa fans and then try to basically crystal ball how their team could look like once coutinho comes back into the team
1: a couple of things i want to say here because um i would like maybe you know not advice, but i you know personally i take this attacking stats quite lightly um because there's multiple factors that are involved in in you Know this, um, you know, actually, per minutes being, being here because, first of all, um, you have to remember under Dean Smith, they had many injuries. They're playing a three-back, you know, they're trying to implement Ings and Watkins together. That you know, there was a lot of uh, you know, thi- things happening and things weren't going well. So, when Jar took over, um, it, it's gonna it was only uh going to take time for his colors to be implemented, and I'm sure now it's uh, we're seeing some changes, plus, um, what I've been seeing from Aston Villa in the recent three, four, five game weeks is what is really very exciting. Uh, I think they've been kind of revamping and, and uh, energized and looking better and better. And um, as you mentioned, Coutinho is a very uh, key piece to the changes that will come, but. Digne is a more important piece to how um, you know Gerard and Aston Villa is going to set up, and I certainly expect their attacking numbers to go up, especially with the combination of fixtures, new players, a- as well as f- um, you know s- signs of form. So uh, again, uh, stats and eye test and everything you want to you know you know complement each other and, and use it together to kind of uh, make your informed decision. So let us move to the next slide, which is average positioning uh, versus man united um pros can you sh- share us what you think about the yeah. christmas tree formation
0: so uh, look i mean i think the gerard system is pretty well known um you have a flat four at the back uh but the the wing backs or or the, the left and, and 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 right defenders basically bomb forward because um they play they pre- play pretty narrow in the middle uh, with the three, you know, usually you have a Louise um, or a Sanson with a McGinn and a Ramsey. And then you have two inside forwards on the left and the right, a bit like Liverpool, mm-hmm. uh, which is Buendia on the left and Watkins on the right. Sometimes it's the reverse. And then you have Danny Ings on top. And this is what we saw against Manchester United. Um, and what you see on this right is basically at the end of the game, their average positioning. And so it's pretty clear you see number 11 there, Ollie Watkins was the furthest forward in the team and this is not just you know a man united trend this has been the trend throughout he has been the guy who's been furthest forward and the second furthest forward is Buendia so you see Ings as the guy who's doing the the dirty work who's doing the pressing and Buendia and Watkins are basically the guys who are making the runs being more central another very interesting part is if you look at number 27 uh, on 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 the chart uh, and this is going to be difficult for the podcast listeners but the, the average position for number 27 is basically Dean is above the halfway line mm. and he's probably what the the third or no, sorry the fourth or fifth furthest forward in the team which basically shows that all the width is coming from the winning backs and by the way Matty Cash isn't far behind he's, he's a little bit uh, further back than Dean in terms of if you look at how f- uh, far forward they are but he's also guy, the guy who's essentially manning the right wing and Dean will man, man the left wing. So there's it's a, it's a heavy job, it's an intensive job, they're doing up and down. But this is, for me, a very similar formation and a very similar style to play as Liverpool. Of course, they're not as good, not as talented, not as um, productive as a Liverpool team. But you can draw a lot of parallels with how Dean uh, and Cash are operating as how Liverpool fullbacks operate. Now he, there's, they are no Trent and Robo, but basically they will get that attacking output because they'll be reliant on creativity from those two guys. Uh, now a word on Buindi and Watkins, these guys are pressing monsters. So they're not going anywhere from the team because of the work rate they put in. And Ings, by the way, the same, but ultimately for me, that begs the question, where does Coutinho fit in? So let's go back to the Man United game a little bit and, and see what really happened. So Dean was on a few set pieces, Uh, And uh, McGinn didn't start because he was suspended. But we think, just a word of caution, that once McGinn comes back, he may take the set pieces back from Dean. Luis took some too, but we think that was, again, something that McGinn will take over. And then Coutinho took a few set pieces when he came on. So that's one little nugget on Dean. A lot of people think he'll kind of exclusively get the set pieces. Now, I don't think that will be the case. He'll get some. In terms of chance creation, both Dean and Cash created two chances each. And... Yes, Dean was basically getting into the box more. He had more penalty area touches. But I, w- I keep going back to my uh, my theory of, you know, don't ignore cash just because now there's Dean because there's, there's a chance that, you know, you might want to go double defense instead of double attack. In terms of Coutinho, when he came on, he came on for Sanson. Mm. Uh, and originally for the first few minutes, I mean, they were behind at the time. Uh, so he continued to play attack. But if you look at it from a man-to-man perspective, he started out in the midfield three, but then when Ings was subbed off, he moved to the right forward position and then Watkins moved centrally. So from a game management perspective, what this tells me is Coutinho can fit anywhere either in the middle three um, or in the front, basically uh, forward left or forward, forward right. Um, that's my observation from the game. I don't
1: know if you Sonaldo wanted to add anything else. I mean, I have a lot to add, but I'm going to. Yeah. We're gonna. Let's. I'll skip the Digne part right uh, for now. I'll. I'll talk about Digne once we get to the players we pick out. Um, yeah. So I'll just quickly uh, speak on everything you've mentioned and kind of, you know, compile it into a, a couple. A couple of thoughts. So, um, you know, the couple names you mentioned, McGinn. You know, he's not going to come into our FPL teams, but shout out to McGinn because he's actually been fantastic uh that left foot is actually super deadly with the, with those long balls so uh he's been a joy to watch from a footballing perspective um, as Prosh mentioned they play a 4-3-3 um from the starting lineup but if you look at uh essentially their average positioning it ends up being like a 4-3-2-1 and a 4-3-2-1 is a is because of those two inside fours uh, as uh pros mentioned however the key to Gerard is those wingbacks who have the, all the freedom in the world to be bombing forward um, and, you know, being kind of a, uh, you know, morphing into a five attack at times. So uh, that just shows the importance of Matty Cash as well as Digne and possibly Target. So um, I'm very excited uh, about the combination of defensive stats being very good over the last, uh, you know, eight or nine game weeks, plus these individual uh, wingback assets becoming an integral part to... Stephen Gerrard. So, um, yeah, very, very uh, interesting. Um, Gerrard plays a lot of short passes, a lot of uh, you know, trying to uh, give and go, pass and move, and and trying to uh, break apart teams by receiving the ball from short areas. And this is actually a fact because under Dean Smith, um, their the team as a their team statistic as short passing was uh, very at the bottom of the uh, Premier League table. But now they're at the very, you know, one of the top teams in terms of short passing uh, numbers. So uh, that just goes to show what Coutinho may bring to this team as he likes to receive the ball. He likes to link up with mids, likes to link up with the wingbacks, likes to, you know, get do, You know, he loves to do those one and give and go types of, uh, you know, dribble and and get out of uh, tough situations type of thing. So uh, from a tactical point of view, uh, this is what they're bringing to the table, which brings us to the conclusion that, it's very difficult to pick out the right attacking asset because there's there's so many and they're they're gonna get rotated. They have more than enough to be, to be playing. I think they're missing uh, maybe a Busuma type of uh, character and another another right back and possibly another center back to uh, keep the team competitive and and uh, make everyone step up on, on another level. But I, I do think, as Prash, you mentioned, too, um, that Danny Ings and Watkins is uh, going to be rotated. I don't think both of them will play, especially from what uh, he wants from his Rangers teams, especially. So, um,
0: Well, yeah. I think, mm-hmm. so, sorry to interrupt, I, I, I was going to say, I think I think they may share uh, the duties on the forward position, but I don't think Watkins will be rotated as such. But let's go to the next slide, which is basically our our view and the fans' view of how um, Villa should set up once Coutinho is back in the team. And then what we'll do, Sunaldo, is let's go through each player. We'll talk about Inks, Watkins, Buendia, Ramsey, Coutinho, Dean, um, Cash, and even Martinez. And then just give our, you know, one sentence each on what we think about each player.
1: Okay, I'm actually uh, pulling up the uh, ideal team real quick. Sorry, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but can you speak on it, Pros?
0: Okay, so... When when Coutinho comes in, as I mentioned, he could obviously take the middle three position. So you would have a Luis or a Sanson playing as the DM. You have McGinn uh, playing on the right, which I think, or right of the three, which is again, I think a pretty much nailed position. So that leaves the left of the three, which is where Ramsey has been playing. It's a very box-to-box position, very high energy position, and he's been doing a fantastic job. But can you rule out the fact that Coutinho basically shares some minutes with Ramsey there? I don't think so. Some people do think that Coutinho could play there. Gerard actually himself says that he he could see Coutinho playing in the middle or in the on or the inside forward position. Let's for the moment assume that Ramsey has nailed that position. And that's what we'll see in the lineup. That let's say the middle three is going to be Ramsey McGain and Luis or Luis or Sanson. And then in the front is where it becomes interesting because Coutinho will take one position. Buendia is not going anywhere given how he's been doing. That basically leaves one slot up top for Watkins and Ings. Now, I genuinely think that Watkins will play no matter what. Mm. So when Ings plays, Watkins will play to the to the left or the right. Mm-hmm. And by the way, to, to those wondering, it doesn't impact Watkins' numbers at all. As we saw from the Man United game where he was playing on the right, it didn't impact. He was still the furthest forward. So for me, that's irrelevant where Watkins plays or less relevant. So Ings will, for me, then share minutes with a Cotinho. Uh, if that was the position, because Buindia is not going anywhere and Watkins isn't going anywhere. Now, Coutinho could come in and out, given he could sometimes play the Ramsey role. Sometimes he could play the the Watkins role, where Watkins will then move up front. This is where I question the Coutinho, um, the, the, the Coutinho love, because he's basically a little bit gaining match fitness. Now, this international break will help a lot, because he will gain that fitness. Now he knows what it takes to be in this villa system. But I am at this stage without further information I'm a bit skeptical I mean if it's a double game week like we mentioned at the beginning of the show like a 24 game week 24 double game week they will have a game on with Leeds by the way uh, they will have a game on the weekend and they'll have a game Tuesday or Wednesday Mm. two games against Leeds those are high intensity games I mean even Pep plays his fittest players against Leeds uh, because that's just the amount of energy needed to play them I can guarantee Coutinho is not playing both those games so this is what people need to think about. Now, I guess we've spent a little bit of time on Coutinho, so let's let's complete it and get your views on Coutinho. But this is my skepticism. I think the guy has the highest ceiling because Watkins isn't the best finisher and we'll come to Watkins in a second. But I'm skeptical on his minutes and I'm also skeptical that in some games he may just play him in in, in the middle uh, instead of a Ramsey and therefore he may be little less productive than if he's playing in the forward position so what's your view on Coutinho before we go on others I, I um,
1: yeah I want to clarify what I meant um, earlier about Watkins and Ings uh, kind of rotating is that I do agree I think Watkins is going to be somewhat undroppable but uh, what I meant is I don't think they're going to play to those two as frequently as you know, at times, depending on the opponent, but I think we'll see one of, one of the other, and the other will come off the bench or something like that. And as you mentioned, if Ving starts at the top, Watkins will move to the left. I think Watkins is uh, someone that uh, Stevie G really likes and, and will continue to play with, the, with great potential. I mean, he's such a fantastic, um, you know, very flexible, adaptable type of uh, number nine. So um, yep. I do agree with you there. Qu- quickly on Coutinho. um I think Coutinho would be... I won't say it right now. I'll, I'll tell you what my uh, options are eventually. But um, I am. I am also very skeptical of, of Coutinho. With that being said, um, you've said all the uh, skepticism comments about him. So I'll, I'll kind of say the good things about Coutinho is that um, we saw signs of life. We saw signs of uh, kind of re-energized uh, spirit and. Um, this, this guy killed it in the Premier League. We have to remember he was an absolute monster in the Premier League. So that has to be a factor in, in the sense that um, he's probably qu- confident and wants to prove to the world that like, he still got it, right? So from a mental aspect, I, I think uh, that's fantastic for a footballer. You know, he's a left-sided winger that wants the ball, asks for the ball, demands for the ball. And I think this is very good for uh, both um, Watkins and Digne um, and the entire left side of the Aston Villa because I think they're going to start uh, attacking a lot from the left zone. Um, and, um, you know, a, a scenario, for example, is Coutinho re- wants the ball, receives the ball. He's going to start dribbling uh, as he loves to do, cut inside. And when he cuts inside to his uh, preferred right foot, uh, what happens? He's got Digne on the left bombing down so he'll always have that option he can switch the play around and, and move the ball to the right side and, and find someone like Maddie Cash um, on the other side and you're going to have great off-ball movements in Ings and walk-ins. Uh, you know so he's going to have multiple options so I think his a- a t- assist potential goes up possibly P- possibly it's the pass to assist um, but um, this team is good it's always good to have good players around and an influx of attackers around uh, as a a creator of the team and I think uh, Coutinho is a creator with a fantastic outside um, shot Uh, and and so the last thing I'll I'll say is um, because they're uh, moving around and playing a lot from the left it's very difficult to actually know where Coutinho is going to play because I think he's going to be on the left side but uh, you know, Ramsey plays that kind of like ESR role where he just kind of bombs forward. And a lot of the, if you look at a lot of the extended highlight plays for Aston Villa, actually it's Ramsey who's bombing forward and, and making, uh, you know, those those runs into the boxes and in much more dangerous positions. So um, yeah. uh, not super keen on Coutinho, but I think his potential uh, of a punt is there.
0: Yeah. So I think we summarize by great potential. Don't jump on him if there's a double, especially if it's in 24. Uh, but look, if there's nostalgia associated, a lot of people triple captained Bale uh, or captained Bale last season. I see. I mean, he's he's better than where Bale was at least physically. Um, so you may profit. But uh, yeah, uh, like like we said, a little bit of skepticism. But let's let's move to the next player, which is Watkins. We've talked about him, I think, a fair bit. So I'm going to just summarize our views and keep this one short. So he should start pretty much every game. Uh, for me, the appeal with Watkins is the scarcity value up front. We are in a very weird season where the three best teams in the league have no strikers for FPL. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Man City don't have anyone unless you go Jesus, which is not appealing. Firmino for Liverpool not appealing. Chelsea has Lukaku, who we all know is struggling. So we actually have no strikers in the best teams. So therefore, there's this scarcity value where people are people need a good asset, and I think that makes Watkins a very good pick. Simply that. Because I think if minutes weren't a question, then for me, Coutinho is better. If Coutinho is playing 90, Watkins was playing 90. But the fact that it's a forward slot and not a a midfield slot for me makes Watkins very, very appealing. And everything we've said as a positive, I mean, the guy is high energy. He'll play 90 minutes. You can bank on him in a double game week. All of that applies for Watkins. So for me, yes, a, a big tick on Watkins. What do you think?
1: No, absolutely. Agree. I, I don't think I need to add anything more to the the walk-ins. Uh, the point you made about, uh, because it's very difficult to actually pick out who the right Aston Villa attacking asset is, the, the, the biggest point you made about uh, the scarcity of attacking assets right now is the reason I, I, I'm very keen on it and I'll get to my order. Um, so uh, enough. Uh, I think that's enough about Watkins. I think he's, uh, he's okay. fantastic. We player.
0: we agree that Ings is not Ings is going to be rotationed out. I think most Villa fans do as well. So we don't need to spend time on Ings mm-hmm. unless there's an injury. I think Ings is one to avoid. What do you think about Buendia? Uh, and maybe we can take Buendia and, and Ramsey. No, actually, let's let's do it one by one. Let's. What do you think about Buendia? Uh,
1: one second. Let me get the uh, volume to work again. Okay, um, yeah, so Buendia, Um I think Bu- Buendia is someone I would not go to. Um, again, rotation risk. Uh, you know, he's had... He's. Sorry, Aston Villa fans. His potential is amazing. I, I, I'm a very big fan of Buendia. I think he uh, has the potential to become a great Why are you player. sorry for that? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I think he's got to be more consistent. Um, and, uh, you know, he'll have great games and some off games and then he'll have great games where he's doing great and then he'll make you know one or two bad passes so um, Buendia I think I would actually I I think I would prefer Coutinho over Buendia Um, Ramsey is one that interests me a lot if anything I I think I would pick Ramsey over over the both of them possibly uh, it's between Ramsey and Coutinho for me um, you know, Ramsey is super young, super cheap. And, um, you know, the problem with fitting one of these guys into our midfield is that, as as we've spoken on, is, you know, in the next few game weeks, we're going to have too many midfield assets that we want that, like, do we really have space for uh, a guy like Ramsey? Um, you know, because the midfield is not where you want to enable right now. You, you want to be maximizing that that five, in my opinion. So, yeah. Um, Yeah, out of them, I think I prefer Ramsey. But yeah, quickly speak on uh, Buendia and Ramsey, please. Okay, so I think actually Buendia is pretty nailed. He was was superb
0: against Manchester United. I think he was the best player uh, in the game. Uh, Now, that doesn't mean he's great for FPL. I just think that means that he's fairly nailed um, uh, in terms of what he's providing for the team, both in terms of pressing and creativity. Whether it's between him or Ings who misses out if Coutinho plays, I think the three of them will rotate with it, two of those three will play mostly and I think mostly it's going to be Boindia and Cotinho who will, who will eventually start. So Bundia is nailed, but when I did a comparison on, on the scout members area, uh, if I look at the last four games where, where Ramsey has basically started the, the last four, so both of them have done the same, Uh for... A million and a half cheaper, Ramsey has a higher XG of 0.73 versus 0.5 for Buendia. He has a higher XA of 0.7 versus 0.5 for Buendia. So their touches in the box are actually almost identical. So essentially you're getting a similar player with a similar output for 1.5 million less. And that's the only reason where I think Buendia may not be worth it because of what Ramsey is producing. And I think my word on Ramsey is don't think of him as an enabler. I mean, given just because of his yeah. price. I mean, if we went for uh, Buendia, we wouldn't have thought of him as an enabler. It's just a gift. And then now I know people are reluctant to do it because we're in a season where there's only one real premium out there. And then people think, where am I going to spend my money if I have a Ramsey as my fifth midfielder? And then I have, you know, one cheap attacker as well, whether that's Broja or a king. Um I don't want a premium defense anymore because you know the chelsea defenders aren't that great where am i going to put my money and that's basically the reason why people think okay let me just go coutinho instead of ramsey i think i agree with you ramsey is the best option and he's a playable option but as we will when we will come to my ranking for me he's still not the third best asset for me cash is a little bit better than him if you were to go for a triple up but let's go to defense now um i think it's it's pretty clear for us ramsey is slightly higher But we reiterate that we're only putting Coutinho at, you know, not at the top of this list simply because of the minutes risk about his fitness and if there's an imminent uh, double game week. I think three weeks down the line, if you see Coutinho starting regularly, he's actually Mm. being able to be fit for 90 minutes. There is no question that he's the best attacker in that team. So it's a little bit of a... We're not giving our best answer, but we have to use the information we have now, which is he's not quite match, match fit. He may take a couple of games to start to get started with the team. So you can't rule out 60 minute subs or 30 minute cameos in the next two, three game weeks. OK, so that, that's I think on the attack.
1: Yeah, um, guys. So I, again, I'm traveling, so I'm actually uh, podcasting from a hotel room. So there's some technical issues. I think it's OK right now. Um, Quickly, let's speak on the uh, the defense, get to our rank, and then our bus teams. Pros uh, in the last sure. uh, few minutes, but as I try to fix this, if you don't mind starting the um, the defensive conversation, I w- I'm gonna go turn this on and come back. Come right back. So go ahead. Pross. Okay.
0: Yeah. Fine. Um, so in defense, as as we've looked at the numbers, the underlying numbers for Villa are great. I wouldn't get turned off at all. Uh, I think clean sheets are coming. And I think between Dean and Cash, there's no doubt that Dean is the better asset. I mean, Dean is an elite FPL asset, despite people's memories of him trolling you on a double game week or whatever. I think that's, for me, that's irrelevant. Past information. He will. He has been bought to upgrade Target. He's not going to be rotated with him. He's basically taken that position. Whether Does that mean that Target will play one in 10 games? Maybe, but you can't account for that. So for me, Rotation risk is not into it. If you then add the fact that he's a little bit further forward, he's a he's a better player than Cash. For me, Dean is is the number one asset to go for. We're going to talk it at a little bit later on what is the time? Do you get Dean this week or you get Dean later? But I think he's for me is the number one defender to get. But I do keep saying that you know Matty Cash isn't a bad option in himself because I think Villa assets will be over 100% EO. If there's a double game week and villa defenders, I mean, because everyone will plump for Dean. So if you want a piece of the villa pie in defense, then you have to basically consider a, a double up. And that's where I think that as a third option, a second defender, whether that's Martinez or Cash, it gives you that option and you have a little bit more upside. And it comes back to when everyone loves Trent, it doesn't mean Robertson doesn't get points. And when everyone loves Uh, James doesn't mean Chilwell doesn't get points so these are basically light versions of those guys Mm -hmm. but for me cash is also a very very good option and just because people have money in midfield that they want to put if you're not going to captain a Villa player let's, let's let's talk very practically if if Villa have a double and and the double is with Leeds and Leeds also have a double by definition then would you captain a Watkins or a Rafinha for me it's Rafinha and if that is the case, then you don't need to double up in attack. You 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 want to make your points elsewhere. That's just my thinking with the defense.
1: Yep. Um, I, I listened to, you know, your spiel about halfway through it, and I do agree with you. I think uh, Dinge is my outstanding number one pick. Um, let's remember, Dingye is one of the uh, proven and best uh, Premier League left backs, full backs in the in, uh wing backs in, in the in the Premier League for a while so uh you know at Everton he was a key instrumental piece to their team and was involved in a lot of plays you know set up DCL for four assists last season and uh you know he has a t- he has tons of uh key pass- key passes touches consistency you know he's got all the attributes for uh uh demanding Premier League so I I really like Digne. I think the problem with Digne process process that a lot of people will um, worry about his rotation minutes and with target and, and i'm not sure if you mentioned it but i do think that um you know out of 10 games Digne starts probably eight or nine of them so uh he's he's the ideal kind of fullback to what wing back to what gerard wants um target is a great passer by the way last season he ranked second in terms of uh uh key passes after um the great jack Grealish um and uh, he's also had uh, second in terms of uh, passes into the penalty area and final third. So, um, Target is a very good progressive passer. However, with that being said, he's only had two assists uh, last season, and this season he's had the second most uh, successful crosses for the team, but okay. only one assist. So he's not uh, giving you attacking returns. Basically, he's a decent, uh, you know, fullback in the Premier League and for Aston Villa, but not. I, I don't think a key piece to a top four, you know, top six type of team. So uh, that's why I think Digne is a level above uh, target and and will be a key part. Sorry,
0: you're comparing yeah. him with target or cash?
1: Target. I'm talking, I'm comparing. Okay. Him to target. Okay.
0: Yeah. So I think, I think we, we are, we agree there. target's not coming into the team. He's yeah. been upgraded. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I agree with you nine out of 10 games, Digne will start.
1: Yeah. And so, yeah, Digne, uh, you know, the last three seasons, you know, he really didn't play this year, has had 18 goals, four assists and. 132 attempted crosses, which is after TAA and Robertson. So he's very, very attacking, Um, you know, fantastic crossover of the ball. And, you know, his style is very aggressive, very risk-taking. So I don't know if that bodes well for bonuses because I think he'll have quite a few missed passes because he's not afraid to make those uh, you know piercing passes to the final third so um you know the ultimate attacking fullback to to say the least and you know now he offers a entire new zone and an entire new route to attack for for that team i, I mean uh, they will look to find him at multiple times like how they look for D- uh, coutinho the last game you know when things aren't going right, especially because you can't just think of best case scenarios. There, there's there's games where you're stuck. There's a low block. You don't know how to you know penetrate through the the d- defense. So at that at that time you 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 know swing the ball around like Pep does a lot and and try to find good fullbacks and and Digne is is going to be there on the left. Um, you know re- ready to receive passes. So with that being said, uh, let's let's pick our order and and go to the bus teams. Um, so. Yeah. Um, you want me to go first, Pros? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so uh, I think it's very simple. We talked about the team stats. We talked about uh, individual assets. We talked about you know issues in uh, our FPL template teams right now. So with all that being said, my number one pick is Lucas Dinye. Uh, Dinye? Din? Um, and he will replace uh, most likely uh, Rhys James for me. Um, so Dinye is my number one pick. My, my number two pick actually is... Uh, very interchangeable with number three. So I kind of want to put number two and three together, but I will go with number two as Watkins because of the fact that I like him as my route to that attack, plus uh, I need a, another uh, striker. And my last pick is going to be actually uh, Coutinho or Maddie Cash. So I, I, I actually think I might double up on the defense, but because I, I would... Rather, double up on the Man City defense. I don't think I'm, I'm going to do Maddie Cash. But my third pick would be Coutinho or Matty Cash. Uh, again, I don't think I'll triple up. So this third pick is more of a punt, if anything, um, than the first two picks. How about yourself?
0: Uh, for me, Dean, um, Watkins, and uh, I think if the game week happens, if the double happens in 24, uh, then it's going to be Cash. If the game week happens in 23, it's an, it's an odd pick, right? I mean, this is what then then probably um, probably Ramsey because I know he'll start both the games. Um, so I like Ramsey as my third option, actually, absent of any of this. Um, a, and it's it's simply because I think he's he's too good of of a value to ignore. Um, even though I've talked about the fact that there's there's a lot of surplus money around, he's he's actually doing pretty well. And unless I see the other consideration, which I haven't talked about, is the fact that if even if Villa double, if the double is against Leeds, then I don't want to double up in defense because I know Leeds will score. In fact, in 24, if the double is Leeds and Leeds, then I would even argue is Dean the best option because they are probably going to score in both the games. I mean, Dean has attacking uh, output as well, but definitely then my second, my third option wouldn't be cash. But if it's a Burnley double, then for then it'll be cash so it's it's i've given a if if button then kind of answer but it's definitely for me um, dean watkins and then dependent on the double i would go for
1: my third option fantastic and uh let's get to the final slide the bus teams before um we head out and we have your team up here pros first mm-hmm. um could you speak through your team sure so
0: my I had two free transfers. One of the good things coming out of last game week is that is I did nothing. Um, So at the moment there's a there's a James shaped and a Sun shaped hole in my team, (laughs) Uh, and uh, the guys I'm considering are obviously the Villa guys or the the Man City guys. I mean we haven't obviously we haven't spent time on the the broader fixture list, but clearly City have the best three fixtures coming up. That one needs to get a get. You know, you want to get a share of those returns. If you're only going there with Concello, who is almost 100% owned, you effectively have no one uh, in those City fixtures. So, in my thoughts is Sun to Foden, uh, mm-hmm. if there is no double game week, James to Laporte or Diaz, and that would be basically my my Man City attacking uh, move. If there's a double announced, then I can see myself going Rafinha because he would have the, be- the better double, the more reliable double. And then in defense, maybe a Dean. So that's how I would think about it, depending on the announcement. Now, sitting here on a Thursday afternoon, I don't think the announcements are coming this week. So pretty much I'm thinking it'll be Foden for Sun for sure. I may actually roll the second transfer as well, because again, you want to. Use, I want to have the power of the two free transfers leading up to a double game week. And that's where I think it'll be best used. So that's where I'll be. If I go Sun to Foden, he may be my captain. Uh, although I like Martinelli against Burnley, uh, if that fixture goes ahead. I like Jota against Crystal Palace. I like Ronaldo, despite what he did yesterday against West Ham. I like King against Norwich. I'm not going to captain King. Uh, so the team is actually doing fine. A lot of people would be going Concello and Trent, and I think those are also great captaincy shouts. So when I look at my team, uh, and people should do this when they're considering wildcard, if you've got six or seven captaincy candidates, it can't be a bad team, right? I mean, then yeah. whatever happens, happens. Uh, but yeah, I, I I feel good about it. And if I have to, if I have to start uh, maybe a, a Ben Davis instead of James and save my second transfer, I'll be happy to do that because uh, the optionality over the winter
1: break with two free transfers will be great. Okay, well put there. Um, I'll go to my team. So for the podcast listeners, I have Ramsdale, Alonzo, Cancelo, Trent, Saka, Bowen, Foden, Jota. So it's a 3-4-3. And then up top, I have Ronaldo, Antonio, and King. On the bench, I have De Gea, Gray, Livermento, and James. So basically, uh, you know, the squad is kind of deep because of the fact that I was trying to bench boost in uh, this game week. Um, so it's very, as you mentioned, if the doubles get announced, Rafinha is a no-brainer. I think uh, Digne is a no-brainer, so I'll go there. But uh, most likely won't be. So I'm thinking of... I would love to save a transfer. I think you're right. If you have two two transfers, you can do three, get a bunch of doublers in and and take less hits. So certainly that's playing on my mind and it will possibly an option. Look, I do not mind playing Alonso. I actually do not mind it, right? I, I don't I like I, I think it's fine to save it and try to attack the next game week. However, Because of Livermento and James being red flagged, I'm very worried about a possible benching or someone not playing or team getting canceled and and me being stuck with 10 players. So uh, most likely my two options, if the doubles are not announced, is to roll the transfer or do James to Possibly Laporte or uh, Diaz, most likely Laporte. I think uh, they're both nailed. I don't think they're both that attacking. And uh, I'd rather have uh, a cheaper option into that triple up on Man City, which is why the Foden pick sounds great. Right now, the Vice Captaincy is on Saka. Captaincy is on on Jota. I don't think I'll put it on Jota. I think I'll put it on Saka or Foden, one of those two. Um, So yeah, I think that's it for me. Um, So would you wait hmm? a question? So you've decided on a
0: Man City defender, not Dean, is it, for this week? If there's no double? Uh,
1: If there's no double, it's between... I think I would go for the Man City because I think that would be uh, just a better kind of... What's it called? Uh, uh, You know, an advantageous uh, move that I have over the others who will probably have one or two city city assets. So... That's kind of where I'm going. However, Digne is also in play, even if he has a single uh, because of what we spoke about all day. I, I, I mean, very early thoughts. So, um, okay, let me... To, uh-huh. Sorry, sorry, go on. Uh, to rephrase, I have uh, roll the transfer. I'll bring in Laporte for for James or I'll bring in Dinya for James.
0: Okay, okay. For people looking at Villa Assets, would you
1: suggest that they jump on them now or would they wait? I think this is the right time. I think this is the right time. I mean, again, uh, the caveat being the doubles, and I think they'll do well against Everton. I mean, Everton, uh, you know, aren't, aren't 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 doing well right now, and and so uh, I do think that uh, we saw signs of life um, in the second half, and and so I do think that Dinya is is fine to jump on right now. I think Dinya. I agree,
0: uh, or I keep saying Dinya because you keep it's Dean, um, <laughs> but <laughs> um, but. Um, I think it, you can wait as well uh, if there's no right. double because um, obviously Benitez is gone. So Duncan Ferguson is known for a very rough, basically he's basically the, the get stuck in kind of manager. So he's going to he's going to make them solid and they're going to be super aggressive. Um, whether that transpires into a good performance or not, we don't know. But I would just wait a little bit if you can, if you have the luxury, uh, this is definitely a week to sit tight. Uh, if there's no double, maybe attack the Man City fixture more than jumping on the Villa guy. Um, that's just my personal view if somebody went for someone.
1: Okay. Um, so, guys, uh, that was fun recording at 6 in the morning in, in California. I, I do have to uh, run and get the day started, Pros, um, Again, thank you for bearing with me. Um, and uh, this is actually our, I think, second or third time recording this because we had... a. Uh, uh, technical issues, so it, it was a fun, a fun session again, and and always nice to chat with you. Um, yep, likewise. Yeah, so thank you guys, thank you for viewing us today, and uh, we'll be back next week with another burning question series. So uh, have a have a good uh, game week and green arrows to all. Bye.